Hello and welcome to My Tiny Bottles, the project where I'm exploring my grandmother's legacy of miniature liquor bottles one tiny bottle at a time. I'm your host, Tammy Coxon. In the episode for Bottle 25, Seagram's Cherry Cola Schnapps, I said that it wouldn't be long before we had another bottle of Seagram's product, and here it is. Bottle number 32 is Seagram's Amandine, their take on an amaretto liqueur. Like the Cherry Cola Schnapps, there's almost no information about this bottle on the internet. A picture of it from 1983 is in the same box 37 of the Seagram Company archive that the Cherry Cola Schnapps photo is in, located at the Hagley Museum in Delaware. It's the same shape of brown glass bottle as the Cherry Cola Schnapps, but with a golden yellow label instead of a red and white one. 1983 makes perfect sense for an amaretto liqueur. In my episode about bottle 10, Di Sirono, I talked about how amaretto was introduced as a follow-on to Galliano in the 1970s and how it became a darling of what passed for mixology in the 1980s. Part of the reason Di Sirono no longer uses the word amaretto on their label is because of all these other brands, like Seagram's, trying to break into their market. The other thing I found online about this bottle was a listing for it in a package donated by the Seagram's company to a Radiothon fundraiser for the Montreal Symphony Orchestra in 1985. It was part of a three-bottle package with a coffee liqueur and a tamarind liqueur. The tamarind liqueur is the most interesting thing about that. That feels way ahead of its time. Based on these two things, I'm putting the date range on this tiny bottle in the mid-1980s. And since that's about all there is to say, this seems like a good opportunity to tell more of the Seagram story. When last we left the Bronfman family in bottle number 25, they'd made a boatload of money creatively taking advantage of tax loopholes during Prohibition and doing things that a court never said were actually bootlegging, but they had not yet become Seagram's. When they'd opened up their first distillery in LaSalle, Quebec, they registered their company name as Distillers Corporation Limited. If you listened to Bottle 31, Fat 69 Scotch, you'll know that this was actually quite a baller move, because at that time, Distillers Corporation Limited was an enormous force in Scotland and controlled most of the world's Scotch whiskey supply. Clearly, the Bronfman brothers had big dreams. Or at least one Bronfman brother did. Sam Bronfman, known throughout the company as Mr. Sam, would position himself as the power broker in the family. He directed the company's operations as it grew and cut other family members out when it suited him. The Canadian Distillers Corporation Limited was a customer of the Scottish one, purchasing whiskies to blend and sell. And in 1927, the two became partners, with Mr. Sam negotiating a deal where the Scottish DCL would gain a 50% share of his company. In exchange, the Canadian DCL got the exclusive distribution rights in Canada for the Scottish DCL's stable of brands. This included prominent Scotch names like Dewar's, Hague, and Black and White. Importantly, the deal also came with technical support and expertise about distillery operations, as well as whiskey making and blending, and Mr. Sam devoted himself to learning all he could. In 1928, this joint operation purchased the Seagram Distillery in Waterloo, Ontario. And at that point, 12 years after the Bronfmans first started selling alcohol, they start to become Seagrams by renaming themselves to Distillers Corporation Seagrams Limited, DCSL. By the end of the 1920s, DCSL had a lot to show for itself. Two distilleries, over a million gallons of aging whiskey, and several popular brands from the Seagram Distillery purchase, and purchase and distribution rights with DCL, one of the largest whiskey suppliers in the world. Seeing the end of U.S. prohibition on the horizon, they began stockpiling whiskey and were ready to hit go on their American strategy when FDR signed repeal into law. The 1930s and 40s were hectic times. 
Scottish DCL had other plans for the U.S. strategy, so DCSL bought out their share of the joint interest. A short-lived partnership with important U.S. competitor Shenley Industries fell apart. But on the bright side, DCSL purchased 18 American distilleries between 1934 and 1945. They created their Five Crown and Seven Crown blends in Maryland by blending their imported Canadian whiskey with these new American whiskey stocks. Blending and aging whiskey became the company's hallmark as Mr. Sam applied what he'd learned from the partnership with Scottish DCL. He wanted to make whiskey as respectable in the U.S. and Canada as it was in Scotland. One key to this was bottling whiskey instead of selling it in barrels, as was typical at the time, because that resulted in better consistency and thus customer loyalty. All this meant that by the end of the 1940s, Seagram's was the biggest of the big four that I talked about with Bottle 29, De Kuiper Bluesberry Schnapps. This feels like a good place to end this part of the story, but there are more Seagram's products lurking right around the corner where you might least expect them. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss them. Have a story to share? I'd love to hear from you. Leave a comment at mytinybottles.com or look for at mytinybottles on social media. Cheers! This episode was produced by Lester Graham. The theme song is Snooter by Josh Woodward.